Hello, I'm Sam and welcome to the Learn and Experience podcast, exploring and making sense of the world we live in through adventure, life skills and language. Today I'm joined by our two regular team members from Learn and Experience, the people bringing the world's youth together since 2009. We've got language guru Mike. Hello. And our very own Miss Positive, Julie. Hi there. This episode, we'll be visiting Germany, China, Wales, Latvia, the USA, and England in Around the World in Six Stories. And on the big discussion this week, our young people discuss what makes a good friend. We'll be looking at Germany in fact or fiction. And in the youth spotlight this week, we'll be looking at the footballer and campaigner for children, Marcus Rashford. And in Life Skills this week, I learned how to tidy the KonMari way. In the language corner this week, we look at how many of the world's population can speak more than one language. This is the Learn and Experience podcast. So where are we going this week, Julie? First off, we are off to Germany, where they have pledged to give storms more diverse names after an online initiative called for a better reflection of the multicultural makeup of German society. So in Germany, storms are not named solely by meteorologists and any citizen can participate at a cost of between 240 and 360 euros, depending on the pressure system. So in an effort to make the weather more cross-cultural, the new German media makers, an association representing journalists with diverse backgrounds, has purchased a number of storms for the beginning of 2020. The project, dubbed hashtag weathercorrection, is a symbolic initiative demanding that Germany's diversity is better reflected across society. So far, the weather had mostly typical German names only, even though 26% of people in Germany have migrant roots. So the new German media makers is also lobbying for German media outlets to establish hiring quotas for journalists of color or from migrant families. So just to give you an example, um, a low pressure system bringing frigid temperatures, dark clouds and snow to the country had been titled Ahmet, a boy's name of Turkish origin. Other storms to follow include traditionally male, Arabic, Kurdish and Greek names. Meanwhile, high pressure systems reaching Germany earlier this year were called Bozina, Changa or Drakia, traditionally female names with Polish, Hebrew and South Slavic roots. We're off to China next where the Chinese New Year has just taken place. Uh, a 15 day long celebration started at the end of January uh, and is the most important holiday in China. The New Year is celebrated with family reunions, lots of good food and uh, fireworks. The Chinese New Year is always associated with an animal. Um, according to legend, when the Buddha was still alive, he called all of the animals together to celebrate the new year with him, but only 12 came. So he named a year after each one and said that the people that were born in that year would have some of the traits, the, some of the characteristics of that particular animal. And this year, it's the year of the ox. And the ox are meant to be uh, characters who are leaders, dependable, and possess an innate ability to achieve great things. You can actually find out what year you are, according to the Chinese uh, zodiac, by visiting uh, a website. <laughs> and you just type in and you just see what year you were born. And it tells you what 
what animal you were. Do you guys know what animal you, you are according to the Chinese New Year? Can you guess? An ox? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm a monkey. <laughs> and what? That was a great impression of a monkey. That's really good. It's my one animal impression I can do. Because I'm really good. Because I'm in the year of the monkey. Ah, I've been practicing. And what are you, Jules? I'm the year of the rooster, which I just quickly Googled. What do you think of what do you think some of the characteristics of a rooster is knowing? Early riser. <laughs> good dancer. That's um, like. Yes, that's actually written here. Written here. Uh huh. <laughs> um, just a lovely, lovely person. You've just named everything that was written. Well done, guys. Well done. So I'm going to Wales, where a well-preserved dinosaur footprint has been discovered by a four-year-old girl on a beach. Lily Wilder spotted it at Bendricks Bay in Barry, in the Vale of Glamorgan, and scientists believe it could help establish how they walked. The footprint spotted in January is 220 million years old and had been preserved in mud. While it is impossible to tell what type it is, the print is 10 centimeters long and likely from a 75 centimeter tall dinosaur. That's a pretty small dinosaur. National Museum Wales paleontology curator Cindy Howells described it as the best specimen ever found uh, in Wales. That's incredible. Yeah. Did, did, did you think, I mean, how did that conversation play out? Mum, look, that's, that's definitely not an average dog who's made that print. What, what do you think it is? Yeah. It's so cool because it, it's the kind of thing that you think everything's been discovered, but there's still, there's still things to be excited about. My, my daughters love looking for fossils and different things and, you know, to yeah. find something so important, just, you know, and not even looking for it is, uh, is pretty cool. And 75 metres is thought of as small. 75 centimetres. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. <laughs> okay, we are off to Latvia now. After parachuting out of a plane, a young boy wakes up on a mysterious island. Chased by a dark spirit, the boy must make his way from one end of the island to the other to get safety. Along the way, he explores the island's natural wonders and befriends different animals. This is the plot of an animated film called Away, which is being released on digital download. Latvian director Gintz Zilbarios made the film completely on his own, a process that took more than three and a half years. Zilbarios said that the best part of working alone was having creative freedom and being able to experiment without pressure. However, the flip side of that freedom was that if there were any problems, he had to deal with them all by himself. For anyone else who might be thinking of working on a solo project, Zalbadios says, remember to take breaks and pace yourself for a marathon rather than a sprint. Away is now available to buy on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Google Play, and lots of other places that you can watch movies. If they, if they do an audiobook version, I think you should read it, Julie. I, was, I loved the beginning. I was in for story time. Our next story comes from the US of A, where a company called Technisoil, which is based in California, had come up with an ingenious way to use all of the waste plastic that's found in landfills to repave roads instead of using traditional oil-based products. As we all know that plastic is incredibly useful and it's got lots and lots of different applications from plastic bottles to knives to forks to straws etc etc but it's incredibly hard to get rid of 
It's kind of like Superman, but in a harmful way. It's completely indestructible. It takes thousands or hundreds of years, really, to decompose. So how they do this, how they build these roads, is that they extract the top road layer and they grind it down for recycling. They mix it with this thing called Neobinder, um, which is made up of lots and lots of discarded plastic bo bottles and other single-use containers, and they lay it onto the road. Now, given that each lane requires the equivalent of 150,000 plastic water bottles, the wide-scale implementation of this product could make a huge difference to the world's plastic pollution. So, good news. That sounds that sounds amazing. What a great um, great use of of there's just so much plastic around. I think we're getting better as a as a society. Certainly, from what I I see in the UK, but yeah, when you still there's still a long way to go with with plastic. Yeah, I think it's very classics. much in our in definitely this next generation. Um, all the young listeners listening are all completely aware. And even you know my daughters, even when I wrap their sandwiches and I start to get the cling film out, they're like, no, you know, put it in a uh, you know reusable bag or whatever. And so yeah, they're very very aware. And that's good news about the about the roads. It's very clever. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to England. A research lab called DeepMind has created an artificial intelligence, an AI program, which has largely solved a complicated puzzle that has challenged scientists for 50 years. The success could lead to huge advances in healthcare. The new puzzle solved by DeepMind is protein folding. So proteins are tiny, strangely shaped chains of molecules called amino acids. Proteins make up the bodies of all living things. A protein starts as a long, thin chain and looks a little bit like a piece of string. But then based on the amino acids in the chain, it folds into certain 3D shapes. Scientists have found over 200 million kinds of these proteins, but they don't know what shape most of them take. Knowing how those proteins are formed is really important. The shape can make the difference between something that's helpful and something that can make you ill. Many medicines work by targeting the shape of a protein that is causing the illness. By untangling the secrets behind how proteins fold has been slow and difficult. In some, cases, in some cases, it's taken years for scientists to learn how one simple protein folds. And if you think that's 200 million of them. So now DeepMind's AI has shown that it can often do the same job in just a few days. So it can figure out the shape of a wide variety of proteins, but it's not perfect. It's likely that there will be many proteins that AlphaFold, the name of the AI, with its current abilities won't be able to handle. Still, AlphaFold is a huge advance and will lead to a big change in science and medicine. It, it reminded me of what you, what you said in the previous story, Sam, which is that we still don't know an awful lot of stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's just a, a wonderful thing to think that so many people are working together to, 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 to get more of an understanding of how the, the basic ingredients work, you know, how things yeah. are made. Yeah. I have an expression where I don't know something and I just say, over to you, boffins. And I kind of feel like maybe these people listening to this podcast now can be those boffins of the future and be those people working these... Uh, 
incredible things. It's a beautiful thing. Julie, what's the big discussion this week? So on the big discussion this week, the young people chatted about what personality traits they valued in their friends. So Mike and Sam, if you think about the friends that you have, you know, have you picked them? Have you picked them for a reason? What what personality traits do you do you like to see in in friends? I think kindness, and and I think sense of humor. I think you can forgive a lot if someone's got a good sense of humor. Um, is is and then obviously there's the, all the other things that go along with it: uh, integrity, honesty. I think honesty. I think if you don't fully trust what somebody says, I think you can soon. Uh, lose interest in that person uh, so yeah kindness yeah honesty and sense of humor yeah i'm i'm, I'm i'd say that all of those are definitely on, on top of my list as well um i might add putting an effort into friendship sometimes is important uh so yeah loyalty i think would be up there with me and uh well, loyalty is a strong word but consistency and just, yeah, just picking up the phone or whatever and being there for them. It's good. Yeah, I think loyalty is a bit of quite, quite a strong word, but I think your friends need to hold you accountable. You know, as you, as you kind of grow into yourself and, you know, you want somebody to be able to tell you when you're, oh, that wasn't quite, you're, you're, you're better than that. I think that's one thing. Um, certainly my wife says to me sometimes when I say something, she just kind of looks and goes, you're better than that. And I'm like, oh, I am. <laughs> well said be, be, be better so okay well let's uh let's pass over to the young people and see um see what's important to them when it comes to friends loyalty for sure i'd say honesty because sometimes i don't trust myself to be like completely good and someone loyal might just like say oh no you're fine but someone honest will like tell me to stop while i'm ahead i guess i feel like loyalty and globes also telling you the truth you know like, if you're loyal to someone, you want the best for them, and you shouldn't be afraid to, like, tell them what they're doing wrong, you know? I agree. I feel like also uh, being understanding is something that I value. Yeah, or, or, like, empathy. Yeah, empathy. Like, trying to be em em empathetic, at least. Uh, even if the other person's being a jerk, you need to understand what, where they're coming from, <laughs> you know? understand what the other person is going through just see like kind of the opposite of egocentrism like egocentric. yeah egocentric yeah nice yeah like not only see your perspective but also like yeah actor fiction this week we will be visiting germany das ist gut das ist gut das ist wunderbar <laughs> It's the only language I know a little bit of, so I might, and I have been there a few times actually, maybe four or five times. Born there. Sorry, uh, oh, you were born there. I was actually going to do a joke. It, I bet Mike was born there. Bet he... <laughs> have you actually born in Germany? Of course. Oh yeah. my goodness! Why do you not speak German? Uh, ich bin Berliner. Oh my That's lord! Can we swap it, Sab? No. <laughs> Germany has a population of 80 million people. I'm going to say fiction. I seem to recall from a previous quiz that was Germany the bi biggest or was it France? Germany's big. 
And I think it has more, has a greater population than that. So I'm going to say that's fiction. Uh, I'm going to say that it's not fiction. What's the opposite of not fiction? Fact. Uh, because I do think it's big. I think it's bigger than the UK. And it's, but it's not as big as France. So it sits somewhere in between. I'm going to go fact. You're right, Mike. It is, uh, it is a fact. Okay, one nil, Mike. Ugh. Berlin is the capital of Germany and is actually two times bigger than Paris. Uh, oh, twice as big as Paris. Don't know about that. I have got lost in, in, in Paris quite a few times. And I'd say that was this. I mean, Paris is a big city. It kind of sprawls out like a big octopus in lots of different directions. So on that basis alone, I'm going to say it's fiction. I think you should win just for that analogy. It is the capital, but I'm going to disagree. I'm no, I'm going. Sorry, I'm going to agree. <laughs> I think it is fiction. It's not twice as big. Okay. Well, this is an interesting one because you both right but for the wrong reasons. It's actually nine times bigger than Paris. Whoa! That is incredible. Nine times bigger. Who's... Nine times bigger than Paris. That's a great quiz question. It has that. more bridges than Venice. Oh, I was going to say Amsterdam had a lot of bridges. Which in right. turn, uh, Venice has less canals than Birmingham. And Le- Birmingham is spelt with a B. <laughs> <laughs> Germany short shares its borders with nine different countries. I think that's a bit too many. Really regretting taking that world map down off my wall. I'm going to say fiction. I think it's fewer than that. By how much? I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to count them on my fingers. I've got... Ten fingers. I've <laughs> got ten fingers, thank you. But I've only got four neighbouring countries so far. France, definitely. Poland, Italy, Czech Republic. Maybe Slovenia, so that's number five. Or maybe not. Number six, we're going to say something else, something else, something else. I think nine could be true. I'm going to go with fact. I don't think we've ever had a full house, but it's getting pretty close, Mike. You've got that correct. Which means well done, Mike. Three out of three so far. The Germans consume the most amount of beer in the world. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably true. Like fact, even. I was going to say fact, but I think because of Oktoberfest, that might be just having that whole festival around beer might actually incre- you know, increase it a little bit. So yeah, I'm going to say fact. You're both wrong. Ooh. But it is the second most... For England? bonus point, can anyone give me the first most amount of beer drunk? Oh, I'm missing the obvious one. It's got to be my my adopted country, Ireland. Mm, is this how you're measuring this? Do you not want me to ask that? In pints. <laughs> <laughs> um, France? They're more vino, aren't they? Vin. Mm. Vin. <laughs> Duba. <laughs> Uh, Mike, well done. It is Ireland. <laughs> Chancellor Angela Merkel 
has had a Lego figure made after her? I'm going to say fact because that just sounds awesome. And that is what I aspire to have a Lego figure made of me. I'm going to say fact. What a wonderful thing for for to be to have as a legacy. Uh, if you're a politician, you'd, you'd want a Lego figure made out of you. And I think she's done a pretty good job. Uh, I think Germans generally think she's done a pretty good job uh, for leading that country. I'm a fact on that one. I'm either saying fact or I'm saying fiction. And my reason for fiction is that it's not Lego. It's, it's one of the, the, what they call the wax works. And he might be bluffing, but I'm still going to go with fact because it's awesome. So I'm going to give you a bonus point, Judy, for deciphering my, uh, deciphering my little ruse there. Uh, it is uh, fiction, but she has had a Barbie doll made out of her. Made, I'm not out of her. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll make it to the bloopers. I don't uh, think I want to buy that one. Uh, <laughs> a Barbie doll made of her. <laughs> but that's yeah. cool, right? Very yeah. cool. <laughs> so uh, bonus Mike, point. Mike, you're the winner this week. Uh, Judy got some good bonus points. Uh, I'll play Jules. Mike, well done. I'm all, I'm all about the bonus points. <laughs> a little bit. I'm just going to give you a few more facts about Germany. because Please do. It's, um, so it's one of the biggest, uh, one of the world's largest car producers. Uh, I think you all know VWs, Mercedes, Audis, BM, BMWs, uh, all from Germany. Berlin has the largest train station in Europe. That's pretty cool. Germany is the most common third language around the world. The first printed book was printed in German and the first ever magazine was launched in Germany. Last one, there are 300 kinds of bread, a thousand kinds of sausages and 1500 different types of beer. In the spotlight this week is the Manchester United and England footballer Marcus Rashford. Now, before 2020, Marcus Rashford was well known for his uh, skills as a talented young footballer playing for Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in, in the UK, uh, and also for England. But in the beginning of 2020, he became well known in the UK for another reason. Marcus became a hero off the pitch as well, as he led a campaign against child poverty in the UK. In June, he convinced the government to continue to provide food vouchers for all school kids in the UK. Incredible amount of kids who are below the poverty threshold in the UK, which means that they don't have enough money to buy their own lunch effectively. Marcus Rashford used his celebrity status to write to the government to change their policy on this and continues to do some really good campaigning work around this very, very important issue. Yeah. It's a shame that it, that someone had to do that. <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have hoped, unfortunately, that the government would have just um, seen this issue and, and, and acted, but they didn't. So thank you very much, Marcus Rashford. You know, he's probably a very busy, affluent guy. And for him to, to be so passionate about something to make real change was just amazing. So thanks, Marcus. I think his story goes a bit deeper that he was himself affected as, as a child. And, you know, he's 
his mother, uh, I think they had quite a few here, quite a few siblings, and she was a single mother coping, and they themselves had vouchers. And him knowing that this would have been taken away from these children and knowing how they would have had to cope with that and knowing that it would have been near on impossible made him very, you know, very vocal in this. And this is one of the good things about celebrity and you want to call social media influences is that they can get a following very quickly. And he obviously is first and foremost known as a, as a footballer. But I think actually he will probably always now be remembered as this campaigner and, and someone who's, uh, who's done a really massive amount for, for, for UK society. So this week on Life Skills, I learned how to tidy the Mari way. Uh, now, unfortunately, we couldn't get uh, Marie Kondo, the um, New York best-selling woman herself, but we got the next best thing. After reading Marie Kondo's book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, our guest turned her cluttered and untidy house into a pristine palace. And earlier today, she revolutionized my gym gear. So just to give you a little bit of explanation, the KonMari method is pro-organizers Marie Kondo's minimalism-inspired approach to tackling your stuff category by category rather than room by room. Um, the goal of the KonMari method is to have a, a house full of items that spark joy. So I'll just tell you what, 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 what we did. So my, my, my good friend Chrissy, um, as I say, read this book and was inspired and lives her life this way now. So I, <laughs> I got my uh, a box that I have all of my gym gear in. And I'm not going to lie, it's a mess. And whenever I try and find something, it takes me ages. So what we did is we emptied all of these clothes out into the floor. And what Chrissy asked me to do was to lift up each item and hold it in my hands and think to myself, does this, does this item spark joy in me? Which sounds, yeah, it sounds a bit, it sounds a bit funny, but I guess when you're trying to go through things and sort them out, you've got to kind of hold something and really think about the item. Do I wear it? Do I have, does it have any significance to me? So I held each item and decided which ones sparked joy and which ones didn't. So I had a pile of the sparkling joy clothes and a pile of the non-sparkling joy clothes. Uh, and then what you do is you get rid of the, the clothes that don't spark joy. You donate them or you can give them to a friend or family member or even better, um, donate them to charity. And then what you do is you fold the clothes that are left over. You fold them, the special technique, it's in thirds. And so imagine if you have a drawer, you can actually put that item of clothing upright. So when you open the drawer, you just kind of have this row of whatever it is. So in this instance, it was um, running tights and T-shirts. So everything's beautifully organized and you can see everything as well. So what you're supposed to do, the, the bigger the bigger effect of this is to start with your bedroom and put every item of clothing that you own onto your bed and go through it all and see what sparks joy. We didn't have time to do that today. <laughs> so we started with a very small, um, small part of my room. But, you know, if you think about how many times you go and open your wardrobe and you're like, oh, what am I going to wear? Like, where is this? Where is that? The idea is that you can, you know, can completely tidy your wardrobe and only have things in there that you really love to wear. So anything you take out, you're like, oh, love that thing. Love that thing. So if you want to, to give it a go, you can just simply uh, look up um, Marie Kondo and you can find her own website and you can start making changes. And hopefully you live in a house and you look around you and everything sparks joy.
and on the language corner this week so bilingualism we i'm thinking many of you will know that this means the ability to speak two or more languages fluently but a surprising fact that you may not know is that 45 percent of the world is actually bilingual bilingualism is present on all continents in all classes of society but it's most common in Africa and Asia, although the exact figures for those continents are unknown. Roughly half of Europe is bilingual, um, and it's especially common in smaller countries like Luxembourg, Switzerland, and the Netherlands, whereas larger countries like the UK and France have fewer bilinguals. The reason why we've got so many bilinguals is threefold. Firstly, because uh, a lot of the countries have numerous languages. So a whopping 722 languages exist in Indonesia alone, another four, 450 in India, 200 in Australia and so on. So contact between these different communities means learning other languages, or at the very least be, being able to communicate in some different language. The second reason is that some countries have a language policy, which means that children learn more than one language at school. So many are educated in a language that is not their native language. And the third reason is for trade and business. So in ancient time, Greek used to be the language of trade and business, and now English has become that language. So many people from countries like Sweden or Switzerland speak English all day at work, and then they return home to speak their native language. Bilingualism is widely thought of as a really good thing because it protects people's heritage, protects people's culture and where they're from. Um, and at the same time, gives people tools to communicate in different languages. So that's the language corner this week. I'm always so impressed when we have our, our children uh, to summer camp and they come and they can speak two or three languages. It just, I'm always, I always show how impressed I am because I think it's so important, especially kind of for, for young people. It is a really impressive thing. Thanks, Mike. That was awesome. Right. The spelling bee. So we have three words that we've covered in today's episode uh, that may be challenging. And the first one comes from Julie's first story where we were talking about storms in Germany. And we were talking about how meteorologists determine the weather. Can you spell meteorologist? Maybe. <laughs> meteorologist. M-E-T-E-R-O-L-O-G-I-S-T-S. -E 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 meteorologists. Uh, I'm not going to quibble or uh, dispute that word spelling i think that's right jules well done julie one point fantastic getting better at this we might have to change my name soon which i'm kind of happy yeah. about <laughs> okay the next one comes from my story in wales where the little girl found a dinosaur footprint and it was a paleontologist and confirmed that it was a dinosaur paleontologist is someone who studies fossils for the listeners at home can you spell paleontologist? Okay, I'm definitely missing a couple letters in the middle, but I'm just going to go with this. P-A-E-L-O-T-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. 
there's something missing in the middle, but I just can't quite get it. This is where I just take the moniker of the worst speller from you, Julie. I have no idea how to spell the word paleontologist. Paleon. I think I'm missing an N. The correct spelling, (laughs) this is one of those tricky ones. Uh, P-A-L-E-O-N-T-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. One N. So you missed out an N. There is some spellings of the original spelling kind of going back further where it, where, where it goes P-A-L-A-E-O-N, which is what you may be trying to spell, Mike, um, but you missed the O as well. It's because yeah. Mike's older, he goes to the original one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to the last section where Mike in the language corners talked about bilingualism. B-I-L-I-N-G-U-A-L-I-S-M. Uh, yeah, I think Julie, you're right on that one. Well done. Julie's the winner again this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we need to take away my self-proclaimed I'm 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 an okay speller. No, Julie good. the okay. <laughs> it's good. It's, you, you know, you feel like you're a bad speller, but you're proving on air that you're not as bad as you think. And that's a good, good thing. In a pressure situation. I don't think anybody is as bad as they think they are at certain things. Till in, co- in common life, terrible speller. In pressure cooker situations, best speller out there. <laughs> i got a joke about a paleontologist. Ooh. Why did the poly- paleontologist go to the doctor? Don't know. He discovered a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, goodbye, Julie. Goodbye, Mike. Goodbye, Sam. Goodbye, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show. That was the Learn and Experience podcast, exploring and making sense of the world we live in through adventure, life skills, and language. You can follow more of what we do on our social media outlets on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Our website, learnandexperience.com, for more information.